everyone, and welcome back to Pastor Plex Podcast. You ready, Chris? I am ready. Let's do it. Okay, so this week's question was not really a question, so we turned it into a question. And <laughs> it was more like a verbal stream of conscious. Yes, verbal stream of conscious. So we will post those details um, on the details of this podcast, but our question that we came up with so that we can better answer this is how do you know that there is a God and we are not just some cog in a machine? Yeah, I do like the question though because it's pretty funny. I feel like the you need question. To, yeah, you need to read the whole thing. All right, the whole thing. Are we ready? Here we yeah. go. So, how do we know that what is commonly referred to as God is just some interdimensional being that exists outside of the dimension of time and space that we are most familiar with? Without scientific knowledge knowledge of space time, it's understandable that our ancestors assigned religious feelings and stories about the unknown, or God could be the developer of a simulation we are in, and Christianity is one way of the developer trying to communicate to us how to advance to the next version without intervention. (laughs) This is a great question. I'm glad that you can understand this because I'm having a hard time wrapping my mind around this. Yeah, so so essentially, how do you know that there's a God? And it's not just, we're not just a figment of someone else's imagination. Mm -hmm. Uh, This is a classic question, and it's really, how do you know that you're real? Okay. Uh, and I think that might be a first, you got to know, how do you know that you're real? And then second, how do you know there's a God? Mm-hmm. Well, um, this is where the classic statement, I think, therefore I am, right? That's the mm-hmm. classic. Yeah. Okay. So therefore I know that I exist because I have real thoughts. And another thing is, this is why sometimes, sometimes people cut themselves because they become numb to everything. So this, mm-hmm. not that this is like an advocation of like cutting yourself, but people do self-harm because they're so numb to everything. They haven't felt anything in a long time and therefore they start cutting themselves so that they can feel something very palpable, which is pain. pain. Okay. So, but then this gets to the question really of how do we know anything? Mm-hmm. How do we know? And this is where when someone comes up with, you know, again, does that sound like a, just a, in general a sort of a crazy question? Sure it does. Sure it does. But so does um, a virgin birth, drinking you know blood and eating flesh and resurrection from the dead. All that sounds equally crazy. Why do we hang on to our truth and we sort of dismiss everyone else's truth as sort of like sort of wacky? And I think that's a great place to um, really to start the conversation. And so I feel like the place where I want to start would be how do you know anything? And so if you tell me I know because I thought of it, then all that I the best you can do is say that you are God, right? Or okay, or that you at least have wherewithal to say I made it up. Even with a lot of scientific data, data is just data. You can make data say just about anything you want it to say. You can make it say there is no God. You can make it say there is a God. You can make it say there's uh, beings on other planets and interstellar like galactic areas because they're sending messages back and forth based upon signals we're receiving, which could be generated by another person or just generated by the solar system or some other galaxy itself. Who knows? I think that's what makes this so challenging. Now, but then there's those people like me who would say, I get my source from God. Well, how does God reveal himself? Well, God revealed himself to Muhammad by the angel Gabriel grabbing him by the throat and saying, speak, speak. And that's sort of weird, but that's, you know, and you have one guy who spoke the whole Quran. And then you've got um, uh, Joseph Smith who hung out searching for what the real religion was, had an angel uh, Moroni come up to him, say, hey, I got the secret seer stone. Stick your head in here and you'll you'll have the, the next testament of 
you know, of Jesus Christ in the, in the new land, and which apparently, you know, Adam and Eve were white people in Missouri, you know, back in the day. So how that happens, I have no idea, but that's sort of what happens with um, religion is you sort of have that, which is why I really love the Christian um, Bible. And, and here's mm-hmm. why. Here's why. It's 66 books written over 4,500 years uh, with 40 different authors, give mm-hmm. or take. In fact, some of them we don't know if, you know, for example, Hebrews, did Paul write it? Maybe. Or maybe someone else. In the way, the funny thing about it is how the Bible came together is sort of like proof positive for me. It was a bunch of like a, maybe a pagan emperor got all the Christians together because he wanted to make the religion sort of unified, which is actually what Jesus wanted. And so he wanted to canonize the Bible. And so he gets all of the, the Christian leaders from around the world. They get them in one room and they argue and fight and bicker and blah, 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 until they finally have a vote on which uh, books are going to be canonized into the Bible and which are not, which I sort of, honestly, because I'm, I'm an elder and I know how elders mo- elder meetings go, I'm like, that's kind of about right. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's how God chooses to speak. So I, I know that that sounds crazy, but the reality is the Bible, at least the New Testament, isn't based upon um, like a word that God heard or that somebody heard. It's based upon a, a historical event. Mm-hmm. So the historical event of Jesus, um, that Jesus died on the cross, rose from the dead. In fact, all the Bible is composed of historical events that then base people's faith around it. The parting of the Red Sea is an example of that. Um, uh, like this is where you you look at the stopping of the Jordan River, the the Jericho walls falling down. And people would say, Chris, isn't that just myth? Well, maybe, maybe it's myth. Maybe mm-hmm. they made it up, but it had to. The story had to start from somewhere. And so then, when you look at um, how long it takes for myth to develop, in general, it takes uh, about two or three generations for a myth to develop. And the problem with that is that the story of Jesus, let's just stick with Jesus for a second, it was too short of a time period for it to be a developed myth. So, I mean, people, it's like saying, what happened 20 years ago? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I can remember I can remember lyrics to entire songs from 20 years ago uh, because, I because I lived it, and you were like two. And so I, I feel like... four, thank you. <laughs> and so what can happen is that we get stuck in this world where... We don't wrap our head around what God is really um, up to because we say he can't. And this is the problem with a lot of people because they they say, because I've never seen it Mm -hmm. and maybe you've never seen it, it can't be possible. Right. Now, that that is so difficult because I've, you know, you could say that about a whole bunch of different things. You could say, uh, I've never seen um, a World Series game go uh, to 25 innings. And so since I've never seen it, it, and you've never seen it, it could never possibly happen. You're like, well, in theory, that could easily happen. Well, you've never seen it happen. Uh, there's a lot, anything is possible. The question is, is it probable? And so let's go back to the resurrection. Now I'm on the resurrection, but but that's why it's a historical event, which is why we trust God's word and why we have a designer. But the resurrection really points to that there was a God who invaded space and time and lived a perfect life, died on a cross for our sins. That The way that he ultimately won the world is by losing to the world so that he could win the world to himself, which is sort of mind-blowing. And what that means is... <laughs> coming back. Yeah, coming back. That Sorry. What that means is that we, we really need to kind of get our head around that, um, that God, who loves the world, would reveal himself as best he could... And the way that he felt it was best was to reveal himself in human form, which is, is incredible and insane. 
But before that, he revealed himself a whole bunch of different ways throughout God's word, uh, like, and people would die like if they encountered God. And so he's so holy and so righteous and so mysterious that one encounter with God would render you blind would, or kill you or whatever God, you know, only by his mercy would you live. And I think that became um, God wanted to be accessible. And the only way he could be accessible with sin in the picture is that if he sent his son Jesus to die. Now mm-hmm. you're like, well, Chris, you just gave the Christian narrative. The problem without the Christian narrative is you have one guy with one book. Uh, you have one person with one idea, whereas the Christian narrative of orthodoxy is that you've got several people over the course of thousands of years, which makes sense for a God who's not bound by time. Mm-hmm. I, 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 I could keep going on this. but You could keep going. I think we've covered <laughs> a good portion of that. If you are the one who's trying to think through all of this and this was you and we didn't answer your question um, and you're we're leaving ends unopened or whatever that is, un- then... Un- Untied? Untied? Yes. Yes. We just talked about this. Anyways, if we are leaving shoestrings untied, make up a new saying here, please let us know and we will revisit and talk through this some more. But that is all that we have for this week. Thanks for listening and we will see you next time.